0: Chargers. Go. Hello, world, and welcome back to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective Donnie DP Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nawara. Not a lot to celebrate in week seven of the NFL season four the collective, but certainly have to celebrate the successful and correct veto by one DP that saved us really from national shame, eternal embarrassment, and honestly, had we have gone 0-5 instead of 1-4, and 4, had DP not vetoed in the Chargers, which at the time puzzled all of humanity, not just the four on this podcast, we probably would have had to quit the show, quit the brand, quit everything. <laughs> Just put the six down and walk on. But alas, DP, congratulations, and moreover, thank you for saving us from that shame.
1: You're welcome, Mo. You're welcome. Yeah, Mo's horrid Ravens pick. Off the go- buy me beers later on next time we see each other.
2: I'm so glad we took three points worse than Pinnacle.
0: We're so good at this. <laughs> and, and nailed it. Couldn't have been more the right side. The uh the L.A. Chargers, even though the StubHub Center was entirely orange. If you turn on that broadcast, it was a sea of orange and blue in the seats. But yet the Chargers blank the Broncos, total shutout. We will get to that game in a second. But I got I got to take it, the temperature of the room. So we go one and four, but DP, we were not the only team
1: to struggle in the super contest this week. Is that right? Dear God, no, the average score was 1.74 points. That was one of the lowest I've ever seen it heading into Monday night. It was at 1.63. We had the Redskins last night. We'll talk about that a little bit, but you know, so we were still very much in it to score better uh, than the, than the average score. And, yeah, the top what the top eleven teams went 0 and 11 or something like that, and the top 12 teams went 0 11 and one uh, in terms of the consensus picks. So it was an absolute bloodbath, not just for us but for everyone out there playing the Super Contest. So it didn't hurt us too bad. I mean, one and four is nothing to write home about, nothing to get too excited about. Um, but it didn't didn't kill us. We're not dead yet. Yeah, if you go to
0: the top right at fantasysupercontest.com, dot com, where you can get twenty percent off a premium subscription by going to fantasysupercontest.com dot com slash Gridiron, and you type in our name Gridiron Gamble. You'll see that even though we went one and four this week, we only dropped about a hundred and fifty spots, hundred and sixty spots. Which one and four normally in this contest, you you plummet, <laughs> regardless of what week you're in. Um, but at 15, 19 and one. God, that looks ugly. Uh we are still like right in the middle of the pack at sixteen oh three, but we have to go on an absolute heater in order to get back into contention here. Looking across the board, every host went one and four except for Donnie. Donnie went two and three in the top five. But we did a lot better if you take into account every single game. Donnie and I both went seven, seven, and one, and Mo went six, eight, and one. So floating around five hundred. A lot better than our top five, unfortunately. Majority picks went four, two, and one last week. So games where there are three hosts on a side and one host is a lone wolf. Four-two and one. But it was consensus picks that really did us in three and five against the spread. When all four hosts were on a side. And let's go to one of those consensus picks. Our most popular pick across the board. It was the top pick for three hosts. It was the Green Bay Packers catching five and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints. Mo referenced the pinnacle movement there. We were getting a point and a half of value by the time this game closed. I believe it closed around Saints minus four. The steam was there. We liked what we saw out of Hunley, but then the Saints, and on top of all that, the Packers go out, they score first, Hunley looks great, but then the Saints, they really turn it on. They storm back, they get the win, and they get the cover, 26-17 in favor of New Orleans. I put this in the chat as more of a question rather than a statement, and I'll ask it to you guys. Donnie, are the Saints the best team in football?
1: No, not close. Don't ever ask that question again. You are banned from asking that question. Why is that so crazy? Why is that such a crazy question? Because the Saints suck. Ah, uh,
0: suck is seventh. The and
1: Packers th- aren't even that good. Okay, so I and, and I've been on the Packers are overrated train for years and years and years. The Packers are still overrated. The Saints aren't that good for
0: sure. It's, it's, uh, pa- Packers were middle of the road coming to this game, eighteenth and. Overall DVOA lost their star quarterback, so you would expect, and as the line did, you would expect the Saints to go in and win, but they went in, they handled their shit. Saints 7th in total DVOA entering the game. What's most intriguing is that they were 15th in defense DVOA entering the game, and they were my favorite kind of defense. Against the pass, 11th. Against the run, 24th. So allocating their resources to stopping the pass, this kid Lattimore... Again, Mo, you're the unprofessional guy here. He's walked onto an NFL field from Ohio State to play the cornerback position, and he is already elite. He is phenomenal. I believe PFF graded him as like an 88 in this game, and he's already grading as a top-five corner, according to Pro Football Focus, in the NFL. Mo, is this kid this outstanding at Ohio State, this Lattimore fellow?
2: Oh, yeah. These uh, Ohio State DBs last year. Ooh. I still think uh, when they played Oklahoma last year was maybe the sh- that was like maybe the best I've ever seen a group of unprofessed DBs look. Uh, Oklahoma had an All American candidate at QB and some dominant college wide receiver, and they couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything against these Ohio State. You just could not. They couldn't even get two steps away from these DBs every single time. Mayfield tried to complete a pass in that game. Uh, there was an Ohio State DB in a receiver's pocket. So uh, that that game, man, really sticks in my memory. And, uh, yeah, they ended up with, uh, what, Malik Hooker and Lattimore.
0: And I don't know who else went pro from that group. Yeah, unfortunately, Malik Hooker went down with what looks like a season-ender for the Colts. Man, that defense. <laughs> Sands-Hooker is going to be a problem. Let me poise the same question to you, Mo: Are the Saints the best team in football? Eagles
2: are the best team in football. Yeah, let me, Unless Saints let me, mean Eagles. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Yeah, get off your Carson Wentz take. How bad is your take?
0: I still think he's just okay. How bad is your take? I still think he's just okay. I don't know. I don't know. How, how clean were those pockets? How wide open were those receivers? I mean, how wide open is Zach Ertz every time he runs that little out-and-in seam route. I mean, it, it's like your theory of unprofessed. Just throw the seamers. Zach Ertz is always uncovered on that out-and-in seam. Always. He's always wide open. Went best Q,
2: best healthy QB in the world.
0: In the world? Better than Breeze? In the world. Wow. I don't I, 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 I think the Saints team is super interesting, and one of the reasons why I'm so interested in the Saints is a point that you three brought up when I was confused about the Lions-Saints game, in that we always talk about home field advantage, and home field isn't always just the stadium and the fans and the atmosphere, it's more about the travel, but when it comes to stadium, atmosphere, fans, and an actual competitive edge on the field it's fair to say that the Saints are one of the teams with an actual competitive advantage there, right? That I, I made that mistake a couple weeks ago of capping the Lions a little higher than they should be because I wasn't giving credit to Saints at home, right, Mo? That, like, that's a thing. The Saints think are actually have a little bit of an edge at home. That's what intrigues me about them.
2: Yeah, Saints are one of those teams that has a... Uh a little bit of a, a different home field, and they build their team around this indoor stadium, and they actually have these fans who get loud, who
0: give their team an edge. Brett Hundley, what what are we taking from this performance moving forward? Are we totally scared, benching Devontae Adams, trying to trade Jordy Nelson, uh, trying to stay away from the Packers and picking games, DP, or do did you see anything from the kid the third year man out of UCLA that makes you think we might actually have an opportunity to take them as a dog in a future spot because they lost and they failed to cover in this game at home
1: I want to say we'll be able to take them in a future spot I mean I liked a few things that I did see from from Hundley um you know I I I mean, I like the ability of him being able to run, which is, you know, similar to Aaron Rodgers. Now, he doesn't have that ability to uh, run and throw all at the same time like Rodgers does. I mean, Rodgers is it is, is in his own class in that regard. Uh, but Hundley did all right to, to get outside the pocket and make some plays with his feet uh, when he needed to. Um, honestly, I wasn't too thrilled with the coaching and a lot of the uh, play calling decisions, uh, general game plan decisions uh, for the Packers here. Um, That's on Mike McCarthy. Uh, I've never been a fan of Mike McCarthy. So while I may be sort of positive on Hundley, although he did only go 12 for 25 uh, for 87 yards in the air, um, I have to then weigh that with the fact that we have Mike McCarthy coaching and calling the plays. So it's going to be interesting going forward. I think that we're going to be able to find some spots to take them, but I think we're going to have to be able to pick and choose those spots carefully and not just dive in every single week.
0: Yeah, 87 yards on 25 attempts, three and a half yards per attempt. I'm telling you guys, the Saints defense is real. It is not the the grab-every-fantasy-player-against-the-Saints-fade-New-Orleans defense that we've been used to this century. This defense has some real players on that side of the ball, and I'm interested—I think—I don't think Saints— Eagles, or I should say, I, I I think we should be looking forward to maybe some fireworks with a Saints Eagles NFC title game. I think that would be a party for sure. Let's keep it with Eagles slurs because Mo went there. Any more Wentz takes you want to get off, Mo? I mean, it can't get much hotter than best healthy quarterback on the planet.
2: I'm just gonna keep needling you every week. I want to. I want to. I'm gonna keep doing it until you. Admit Wentz is the best.
0: Not the best. We were in great shape in this game. Got out to a nice 10-7 advantage. And then the Eagles went ham in the second quarter, closing out the first half, scoring the final 10 points of the half. (sighs) And then it was just all downhill from there. Eagles came out, were super buck in the third. In fourth quarters... I, this this Washington offense, man, is just confusing. Like, why isn't Jameson Crowder getting more looks? Why is Terrell Pryor so bad? Why did it take them an entire half to get Jordan Reed going? I mean, Jordan Reed catches one pass in the first half then comes out and goes seven for 60 and two touchdowns in the second half. Like, why wasn't he more involved in the first half the, I really want to like this Washington team, but they just do some some puzzling things. DP, where was Kirk Cousins' heart? Where was his heart to drive Washington last night?
1: I thought he showed a bit of heart, uh, especially at certain times in the game, uh, stepping up with some big throws, uh, some big runs when you need to. But overall, I mean, I agree with you. I don't really understand what took them so long to get going. The defense didn't look so good. Um, some of it was – some of the way that this game went was just, I mean – it was Wentz. I mean, what am I going to say? I have to tip the cap to Mo, but I also have to say that, you know, while I am tipping the cap to, to Mo side of things right now, I don't think that Wentz, the way he plays, is really sustainable um, with all that running around in the pocket, squirming out, making these crazy throws while he's getting hit by three people at once. I mean, it it's good that he's making those plays, but those plays aren't sustainable in the long term. So I do think he's, he's – good rather than bad, but I think that his good is right now a little bit overrated and he's going to come back down to earth a little bit. Although I do still think he's good.
0: I definitely think that we're going to see Carson Wentz regress a little bit with Jason Peters leaving the game with what looked like a broken leg. They put an air cast on him uh, and now I'm reading he tore his MCL. I've never seen an air cast for an MCL. There had to be some kind of bone, I would think, bone issue is in addition to that MCL, but that God football, man, the, another one of those injuries where I felt like every team from, or every player from both teams went out to give Jason Peters some DAP. I mean, he's one of the best left tackles we've seen in uh, our lifetime in recent history. And there was definitely a lot of respect on the field when he went down. And then on the other side of the ball, we saw the Redskins. I believe they lost both tackles, uh, in that game. They were One, losing interior, guys. Uh, interior lineman, One where... Uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but they had the spider cam right over him. And... <laughs> and the medical staff is attending to him. And he's just laying there. And he's just relaxing. And then he just bellows from his soul the F word for all of the Disney Corporation <laughs> to hear. <laughs> and it was tremendous. So... Look be on the lookout for both of these teams. Massive offensive line injuries. The Jason Peters one is huge moving forward. All right, Mo, we know your Philadelphia take. Do you are is there anything you can take away for Washington from last night's tilt? Carson Wentz's performance.
2: Unsustainable except for the part where he does it every week. Um right. Washington. Washington. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, you know, this team, I I really like their offensive line. But, man, how many guys can go down before this just turns into a train wreck? Uh, Scherf got hurt. He was like an all-pro level player. Spencer Long, one of the better centers out there. Heart of a Husker. He looks like he's at least hobbled. Something called Moses went down. Yeah, this game was a bloodbath. Uh Need NBA on my TV. Tired of watching uh, CTE and uh, dude's knees explode in front of me.
0: Yeah, Scherf was the gentleman who uh, who cursed on live television. I think I can actually pull it up here if I do some efforting. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up in a bit. But yeah, Scherf was the, the injured offensive lineman who, uh, who let us all know how he felt. And then, uh, yeah, you look at the other side of the ball – I mean,
2: without Jonathan Allen and Josh Norman, the Redskins didn't didn't look as good. Did not look as good, I guess. So, you know, that's to be expected. But, man, this team is just really getting hit hard by injury. And I don't know if we can expect this team to be an above-average performing team going forward
0: uh, unless they get healthy. All right, I think, think we found it here. Let's hope we can fade... An ad?
1: (laughs) Here we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a stupid game football is. So those are two of our losses. Let's balance it out with a W. I know I'm skipping around time zones, but I don't care. We need a little dose of happiness in here. Chargers 21, Broncos 0, holy hell, Denver Offense. I know you're going to look at the box score. You're going to see, uh, well, I guess Simeon's box score was just as bad. 207 yards on 35 attempts. That's 5.9 yards per attempt. On the other side, I mean, the Chargers didn't have to do anything on offense because their defense played so well. Phillip Rivers has 183 yards on 26 attempts, and it's not even like they ran the ball effectively. 80 yards on 26 carries. This is just a tremendous. Defense and special teams performance. We had that Travis Benjamin punt return, which really set the tone for the game to start. Chargers defense, I wish Brett was here to wax poetic because they looked phenomenal. And uh, we could also have him discuss that Jatavis Brown horrendous interception drop, which could have made this game even uglier where he dropped an interception in the red zone. DP, take the stand. Excite, be excited. Gloat. Celebrate. 21-0.
1: In favor of LA. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't been high. I wasn't high on the Broncos coming into the season. They looked a lot better than I had anticipated. But it looks like now they are coming much back down to earth, Um, kind of where I expect them to be. Uh, it just seems like this team, the Denver Broncos team, are, they're just you know Jekyll and Hyde. They're one team at home. They're a totally different team away. It just it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, yeah, they did lose at home outright to. Uh, the Giants last week is, is a huge 11.5 point favorite, but I think that was more of the anomaly uh, than what is uh, true to form uh, coming out of Mile High Stadium. But, uh, yeah, I think when this team leaves Mile High, I think they're just a completely different outfit. I mean, we saw Trevor Simeon in the offense in Buffalo uh, several weeks ago just totally suck. Uh, they suck this week. I'm not really sure what it is, what's going on there. I mean, they do have they do have weapons. Uh, Simeon has looked good at times, but it just doesn't seem like he can put it together on the road. And this game, I mean, for all purposes, this was this was a home game. Uh, it was a home game, just played in a different zip code, and they still couldn't get it done. So this Chargers team, I mean, maybe they just got off to a super, super, super slow start, and they're going to start making a run at things. Who, who knows? I mean, the the defense is playing well as long as Philip Rivers can can keep it together where his arm doesn't look like total jello i think that they'll be all right the afc isn't that tough to begin with so if the chargers can put some things together and get some wins like like this one here against big teams um, that they're you know competing strongly for in the afc then i think they can certainly make a run to the playoffs and, and even go pretty deep next week for the chargers is going to be a really interesting one i mean they go to they go to new england and they play the patriots who i'm still not sold in their defense so we'll see how that one goes
0: not sold on the defense but i know what mo's gonna say about this chargers offense and one philip rivers
2: how uh bad is the broncos offense though
0: (laughs) well they were without their best receiver according to mo yeah no manny sanders and demarius was playing injured only six targets, catching only two of them for nine yards. Still, so, if you look back at, like, those first two, what, what
2: happened in those first couple weeks when Simeon was looking like a world beater? What was going
0: on there? That's a very good question. Let's look at, uh, so we know they, placed, they played the Chargers at home, which, I mean, we all thought that was a b- bizarre performance by, by L.A. We expected a lot more than, from them, And we were baffled at how poorly they played on that opening Monday night. Then they played home to the Cowboys. Cowboys a bit suspect on the road against a team with a pulse, not the greatest defense. And then that was it, really. Those were the only two games he performed well. He struggled at Bills, struggled against the Raiders, struggled against the Giants, and now a fourth consecutive struggle against the Chargers. So it's really only two quote-unquote outliers, and they both kind of make sense, right, Mo? I mean, do they? I still don't think that Chargers game makes any sense. Well, the Chargers game doesn't make sense, but I don't think the Broncos are very formidable at defending the pass.
2: Yeah, it's just weird, just weird uh arc for for Simeon and the Broncos this season. And uh Yeah, I mean I mean, I mean Brett I don't know what Brett was doing. I guess all he had to do was I don't know. Call the Chargers and ask them to try. They just they just decided to show up for the season a month
0: late. But hey, maybe Brett's got a pulse on that uh 66 to 1, was it? Maybe Anthony Lynn picked up a copy of Coaching for Dummies. There's got to be like a high school version of that, right? Where he could learn the tips of the trade.
2: Yeah, I think Anthony Lynn I don't know maybe somebody maybe somebody Marty Schottenheimer called him <laughs> was the last good uh San Diego coach Marty
0: Marty put together a couple 14 and 2 seasons with the Chargers of course Marty was the man of course blowing his own dick off in the playoffs each time but several double digit win seasons for San Diego when they had Breeze LT Marty some fun squads back in San Diego. So we got our one win out of the way. We got our one celebration to the side. Now let's get to more losing. Cowboys 40. <laughs> Niners 10. What happened here? Can somebody explain to me? Why 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 wasn't Matt Jarvis better at throwing footballs on Sunday, Donnie? Why was he so bad? Why were the Niners so I bad? I have
1: no idea what happened in this game. I re- I just I don't. I mean the 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 Forty Niners have looked like a competitive football team for multiple weeks. What five weeks in a row? They lost by no more than three points. I mean they every, were every single game. week they every were in every game they so could far. move the ball if they needed to. They could come from behind and get backdoor covers, you know. But for whatever reason, they made. The, the the Dallas secondary looked like the Seattle secondary of 3 or 4 years ago. I mean, I just the Dallas defense is not good. They're not. And the 49ers couldn't get anything going.
0: Yeah, Dallas secondary, nothing to write home about. Entering the game, we talked about it on the DFS pod 23rd defending the pass, but we were more excited there last last 32nd defending the run, so we thought this was a juicy matchup for one Carlos Hyde, who ends up getting 68 yards on 14 carries. And then out of the backfield, the Cowboys last at defending running backs in routes, and Carlos Hyde does not get a single target. Or, excuse me, sorry, 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 I missed that. Eight targets, but only four catches for 20 yards. Four for 20. Granted, Sean Lee, back in the game, he got... Five tackles, two tackles for loss. So that's a big boost to the Cowboys defense and especially defending the running back because he's playing the linebacker position. But still, I mean, even if he comes back, you wouldn't think that they would go from like 32 to 10, 32 to elite. But San Francisco could not get anything going. And just, it was a horrible start too. Zeke just gets things rolling. They take advantage of a... uh, of a, of a fumble. It's just... I mean, Zeke, 200 total yards. This was a total roll show. Uh, Niners, still frisky. I agree. They've been competitive. I think they might be a good dog for us moving forward. Let's look at the other side of the ball. The Cowboys. How public is this Cowboys side going to be, Brett, or, or Mo, after watching Zeke... In a breakout performance here, 200 total yards from scrimmage, there's going to be some beautiful spots to fade the boys moving forward, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Easily. Still don't think this team is anything. I don't even think this team, you could say, is better than average. I mean, this defense is still complete garbage. And we all know what's going to happen when Dak meets a defense with a pulse. He's just going to look like the warm body he is. So... I don't know what happened in this game. I'm glad I didn't watch it. Uh, I'm glad I was driving home, but uh, yeah, I, guess, I don't know. I guess we shit the bed on this one. This we're, was the one where, like, the one pick in the in the recent few weeks where you just look at it and we just we're never even had the faintest of chances. Yeah, we were
0: there was zero. <laughs> once the ball was kicked off, we were never drawing live in this contest, unfortunately. Which is how I kind of felt about our final loss as well. We had the Bengals plus five and a half in Pittsburgh. And I know, we got off to a pretty good start. Uh, We actually had the lead again at one point in this game. But, I don't know, I just had this sinking feeling that we had peanuts, M&Ms for Brains... You know, we, we never had a lead. Sorry, it was 7-7 and 14-14. We had peanut M&Ms for Brains. Rolling the sidelines. Leading the troops. We had Andy Dalton. Who, the most Andy Dalton play ever. And maybe the most Gridiron Gamble play ever. Fourth down. End of the game. Need to do something. Andy Dalton throws the ball away. He doesn't even throw the ball in the field of play. That somehow a miracle could occur. He throws the ball Out of bounds. Fourth down. I mean, just disgusting performance. That plus 500 Bengals ticket to win the AFC North. Just rip it up now. You're not cashing it. Apologies for the tout. It was horrible. Cincinnati's horrible. Donnie, you were right. Lone Wolf on Pittsburgh. We we convinced you during the show, but then you... uh, you backed off when the collective made the selection, but you were right all along, all, all along. DP
1: Cincy, the absolute fucking woat. Yeah, Cincinnati is just a fucking joke. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're doing from game plan to to the coach. It's just it looks like a fucking disaster. The play calling, everything is a mess. Andy Dalton is a clown. That guy is ridiculous. What? what, They ran the ball, what, 71 times, seven with Joe Mixon? I mean, isn't Joe Mixon by far the best running back that they have? Yet they still give the ball to Jeremy Hill four times, they still put Gio Bernard, who we like on this podcast, generally speaking, uh, but they put him in the backfield running when he should be coming out of the backfield, uh, running short routes and catching the ball and doing things that way. I mean, it's just nothing makes any sense to me, and the Bengals just seem like one of those teams where everything filters down from the top, from ownership, where they are just happy in their little cushion, making billions of dollars every year, and it doesn't really fucking matter what product they put out in the field. They're just going to kind of do their thing. Keep giving Marvin Lewis those extensions. You guys are awesome. I mean, th- this team this team belongs in Cincinnati. That's like there, There's no other place in the world that this team would be.
0: Poor Cincinnati. Donnie just sideswiping the
1: entire city. Well, if the city was worth its salt, they would fucking riot and flip the stadium over.
0: <laughs> the Jeremy Hill thing is the most confusing. I understand rotating backs. Nobody does this better than the Patriots. They have four backs that they rotate, and they all play a role, and they all do a specific thing very well. But what, why is Jeremy Hill starting the game in the backfield? I get it. He could be a nice chase of, change of pace back. He could be a nice bruiser. When you get to the red zone, he could be there when you need to salt the game away. But don't start the game with him. Get Joe Mixon on the field. Get this guy the ball. Seven yards per carry in this game for Mixon, and he's been great all season. He's been great in this new Bill Lazor offense. But no, let's start the game with Jeremy Hill in the backfield getting one yard and a cloud of dust when he touches the ball. Jeremy Hill ends the game four carries for seven yards. He had three of them on the first drive. It's just fucking useless.
1: They, they, seven yards per carry, and they ran the ball seven fucking times with the guy. Pittsburgh. Is, how do you just not? That's math.
0: Pittsburgh gets the ball first, jams the ball down Cincinnati throat, scores a touchdown, and the Bengals respond by putting Jeremy Hill on the field. That's really all you need to know. The just disastrous decision-making by Cincinnati in this game. I'm so mad at myself for, for buying the fool's gold and, uh, Pittsburgh, another, another elite team we picked against another team that put together a good performance. Mo, do you think the Steelers are good? Do you think the Steelers could potentially be the best team in the AFC? I've liked this defense all year.
2: Uh, People have been dumping on the pit defense the last couple of years, and it hasn't, rightfully so, it hasn't been very good. But uh, I think they've finally collected a, a a nice little bunch of talent here that can can give opposing teams problems. Uh, players like Stefan Tuitt and Ryan Shazier; uh, these guys are difference makers. So, oh, and then you add in Watt that they picked up this year. I mean, they've been doing a solid job drafting on that side of the ball like the last 5 years or so and they're actually pretty good this year. I said I think it was it was uh yeah, it was 2 weeks ago when when they played the Chiefs. I said that week I circled that total and said that was one of the worst lines of the week. You guys saw <laughs> it. I fired all in on under there. I knew that line was stupid. But now this past week they finally adjusted and threw up a uh, a 40 on the line. The Steelers team is not your older brother Steelers team. They're not going to come out and outscore everybody. They're going to come out and play solid defense and get just enough with Bell and Brown. It's just shocking, though, how how much they rely on those two. I mean, man, if, if this team is one injury away from complete disaster.
0: Pittsburgh fourth in defense DVOA, fourth against the pass. Definitely going to be... A tough out for anybody in the playoffs. And to Mo's point, the strengths of this team are not on the offensive side of the ball. I've I've still not been impressed by Ben, although he put together what is probably his best performance on Sunday. But it is too much of Brown and Bell. You need to diversify. You need to get Martavis involved. It's been nice to see Juju Smith Schuster look more like a vet rather than a rookie, but the offense just can't rely on two guys like that because, like Mo said, they are they are seemingly one injury away from being a disaster on that side of the ball. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's let Brett give us some fantasy takeaways from the week that was. Lord knows I need some, some of my leagues. Jordan Reed, go fuck yourself. Here it is, Burt Minotti.
3: Hey guys, Brett here to give you three fantasy football takeaways from week seven of the NFL season. Number one, I said on the podcast last week, the Atlanta Falcons offense looks out of sync and flat out bad with Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays and the story checks out. The Falcons are a disaster. They were terrible in New England on Sunday night against one of the league's leakiest defenses. Matt Ryan was the first quarterback this season who failed to throw for 300 yards against the Patriots, only totally 233, hasn't thrown for 300-plus since week one of the season. Matt Ryan is looking like pre-2016 Matt Ryan again. It's only going to continue in the post-Kyle Shanahan era in Atlanta. Ryan is now droppable in season-long leagues, at least until this offense shows some signs of life. And the inefficiencies in this offense are going to trickle through the rest of the team as well. If you think if you think you can still get good value for Devontae Freeman in your fantasy league, now might be the time to sell. I'm completely off this Atlanta Falcons offense. Number two, Ty Montgomery's injury in week four opened the door for Aaron Jones to capture the starting role in the backfield for Green Bay. And I'm not sure Jones will ever give it back. This kid looks phenomenal for the Packers right now. He's racked up 300-plus total yards and two touchdowns in three starts since week four. Montgomery, meanwhile, back to being fantasy irrelevant. After seeing only five touches in a Brett Hundley-led offense against the Saints, without Aaron Rodgers leading this high-powered passing game, the Packers will try to shorten games with a ground attack. And that severely damages the fantasy value of Montgomery, who, as we know, is not a running back. He played wide receiver through college and his first couple years in the league. This is not great news for Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Randall Cobb either, so keep that in mind. Going forward, when setting your season log and DFS lineups, this Packers offense is, of course, not what it once was. Number three, like many of the Packers playmakers, things look glim for Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown in Arizona now that Carson Palmer is out eight weeks with a broken arm. Drew Stanton takes over as a starter for the Cardinals. He of the 39% completion percentage of a year ago, while in relief of Carson Palmer, this offense is now a complete nightmare without a running game or a passing game. On the bright side, Stanton does get the upcoming bye week to prepare for the winless 49ers in Week 9, so Larry Fitzgerald might get one last hurrah in before completely falling off in the second half of the season. Fitzgerald Fitzgerald's worst season as a pro came in 2014 when Stanton got the majority of the starts for the Cardinals. After the 49ers game in Week 9, you might want to try dealing the Hall of Famer in your fantasy leagues.
0: And we are back. Before we take a look at next week's lines, a preliminary look. Let's take a look at the Super Contest standings, and we have a massive eight-way tie for first place. 25 points is the leading amount, and there are eight people with a 25 and 10 record. PhD Sports among them. PhD Sports has been one of the leaders He or she went two and three last week. Two winners were the Vikings, hey Mo, and the Cowboys. What a what a strange play from PhD, who's been rather sharp. This season we also have Vegas, we have a problem, Tunnel Vision, Lou All, Kivilhan, Fly Two, Cali Cappers, and Angel of Vengeance all tied. At 25 points. If you guys want to check out the standings for both this and Super Contest Gold, in addition to any other trends, go to fantasysupercontest.com. That's fantasysupercontest.com. Right. right, let's take a peek to next week. Anything pop off right away for you, DP? One thing I noticed, the big favorites, they are back. After a week where we had no team favored by a touchdown. We have several teams favored by more than a touchdown, including one double-digit favorite and two teams laying nine points. So this this oscillating big lines, small lines, big lines continues. DP, did any of the lines on
1: First Look jump out to you for the week? Yeah, I'm a little bit mad that I think they're going to make me take the Colts. I mean... I can't take the Bengals being 10-point favorites against anyone. I don't care if they're playing Rich's favorite Rancho Cucamonga High School right now. I mean, that team is just a disaster. The Colts are a disaster, so I'm just like, I'm just sitting here like, fuck, I got to take these fucking guys again after they've burned us multiple times this season, and they just look like a joke every single year. Uh, that one stuck out to me. Um, I'm, I'm a, a little bit surprised on the, the Falcons-Jets line. Um, I mean... I feel like the Jets have looked pretty good all year, at least competitive. Um, I mean, maybe the Jets are just due for their stinker, like like the 49ers were due for their stinker, and that's what we're going to see this week. But um, Atlanta, uh, five-point favorites on the road against the Jets. Um, I'm looking at the, the Westgate Superbook lines. Um, and that just uh, that seems a little bit high to me. Atlanta does not look right. At all, uh, especially on offense, uh, whether it's the play calling from Steve Sarkeesian, um, whether it's Matt Ryan throwing the ball, he looks just totally rattled, totally out of whack. Um, you know, the wide receivers have been battling injuries. I don't think that they're using those those running backs uh, in the correct facet. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be another spot where you know we've been on the Jets many times this year. We've been pretty successful with them, so I think we're we might uh, we might be on them again. That's kind of what my intuition is saying.
0: Yeah, and Pinnacle has that game at four. So your intuitions, I mean, if you see five and you like five, kiddos, well, run, don't walk to the window to grab it. You mentioned the Falcons there in this game, and I just want to say that was the time of our lives to bet the Patriots last week. I told you all it was the one opportunity in your life to be on the sharp side and have a Patriots straight bet ticket, money bet line ticket (laughs) in your pocket. And I hope you guys took advantage of it. Mo, any lines stick out to you from week eight?
2: Yeah, I see two. First glance that really jump out at me. Um, First one, Donnie already mentioned it, it's Jets against Falcons. What the hell is this line? Jets are plus four right now? At home? I mean, are we even sure the Falcons are really any better than the Jets? I mean, this Jets team, what do they got to do to prove that they're a competitive football team? Week after week, this team just shows up. Should have won last week, should have gotten me to my season over three and a half. There's still a small part of me because of... You know, I know how the moose works. That is slightly worried. But there's just no way I should ever lose that bet. Um, And then the other one is the game right after it on the board. It's Panthers-Bucks. My rule, one of my rules is you bet on whoever looked the worst the previous week in the NFL. And you fade whoever looked the best the previous week in the NFL. And I don't know if you could honestly say there's a team that looked worse than the Panthers. And here they are catching plus 2.5 at a Bucks team. That's an absolute horror show. I got to
0: be on the Panthers here. This one, the public's only 50-50, but I still love the Panthers in this spot. You're talking about the Jets there. There's maybe one game for the rest of the season they'll be favored. Home to Falcons, home to Bills, at Bucks, home to Panthers, home to Chiefs, at Broncos, at Saints. Home to Chargers at Patriots. Maybe two games. Maybe they'll be favored at home against the Bills and the Chargers. Maybe. But you're you're not you're not locked in yet, Mo. Not locked in yet. Come on, you don't think you run that good, do you? <laughs> I'm hoping. I don't even know who who we would even select in the draft though. Love the Carolina shout out though. Uh, that, that line, they, they're just begging you to take the Buccaneers at minus two and a half, absolutely begging you take, take the hard knocks team laying less than a field goal against the Cam Newton led team that just got embarrassed. Go ahead. Take the two and a half, please, please take the two and a half. They're absolutely screaming for you to take that number. I'm looking at the Pacific Northwest. I know Houston is coming off of a bye, but guys, Seattle might just turn the corner. This might just be the thing that they do every year. Slow start. Don't look good. Offensive line in shambles. And somehow Tom Cable just makes chicken, what is it? Chicken salad out of chicken shit. Makes it work, and the offense starts gelling, and they start moving the ball. Deshaun Watson, haven't been impressed by him. That offensive line in Houston, not impressive. Again, they're without J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. The one game they played without them was against the horrifying Kevin Hogan-led Cleveland Browns. And now they have to travel to the toughest place to play in the NFL and play against the Seahawks. Who could be turning the corner? It opened at six and a half. It's come down. Whoa, whoa, I won't take that slightly. Coming in. What'd you say about toughest place? Toughest place to play a CenturyLink. It's not even close. No, it's Arrowhead. Ah, Fuck s- off. Stop. When's the last I'd time argue,
1: I could argue that it's Gillette Stadium? But okay. Stop. Gillette Stadium. Gillette. The reason why I would argue that it's Gillette Stadium is because. Coaching staffs go into New England and do the absolute opposite of anything that they should do because they have no fucking clue what to do against the Patriots at home.
0: Well, that has nothing to do with home field and everything to do with...
1: You're, I, know, I know you're speaking like to the fans and the home field advantage side of things, which I tend to agree with, but Mo has a really good fucking argument with Arrowhead.
0: When's the last time the Chiefs
1: won a meaningful playoff game at home? <laughs> When's the last time the Chiefs played a meaningful playoff game at home? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have to to be there. You have to be in the game in order to perform, you know.
0: It opened up at 6.5. It's down to 5.5. Don't care if the movement is sharp. I think the Seahawks are way the right side here. I think this is a Deshaun Watson four-interception game written all over it. So I've got my eye on Seattle. I'm also interested in, speaking of the chefs at home, Monday Night Football, come on, Mo. 7.5 is way too high, right?
2: Aren't Chiefs going to be the sharp side here? I don't know. I could be crazy. Really? Public isn't going to line up to grab seven and a half? No, I, I mean, guess not.
1: Your rule is bet on the team that looked the worst. Exactly. And the Broncos looked fucking horrible 80, last
0: week. 82% on the Chiefs. Mo, who's going to the window after a hard week of work and placing real American dollars on dead rock? Joe Public is not doing that.
1: If it settles it more than a touchdown, I think it's it's a great play. Or it Andy seems to be a great play. Andy extra
0: time to prepare against a
2: putrid uh, look at offense. These, and, look at these Kansas oh, City man. biases
1: leaking in.
0: What do you mean? reed has been like the best coach in football this year. No, I don't doubt that. But you're going against your own theory of take the worst team, bet on them the next week. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's probably going to be a stay away for me. But <laughs> Well, Chiefs teaser, obviously. But. Another uh, – Super public side. I don't know where I stand in the game. Is uh, our our boys, Cleveland Browns, catching nine points in London against the Vikings?
1: Wait, that game's in London. Yeah. Oh my God, I saw it and I was like, uh, okay. I mean, yeah. Okay, Uh, it's in London. I don't know, man. The line traveling. The line is
0: nine, and the total is thirty-seven and a half. Cleveland has an implied team total of like negative 17. Very interesting spot for our Brownies who covered last week. Mo, anything to add on your favorite football team, the Cleveland Browns? Chainsaw, man. What the hell took so long? Needed chainsaw. Needed chainsaw Kessler in there.
1: Need Kaepernick is what you fucking need. <laughs> All
0: right, that is the show. Be on the lookout for DFS on Thursday and our fantasy card, our super, super contest card on Friday. Follow these guys on Twitter at Donnie underscore Peterson at Mo Nuwara N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H I'm at Rich T. Ryan. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Your love powers this entire thing. We'll see you on Thursday. Peace. Out.